As of today, Sunnyside Kitchen has 689 reviews on Yelp and nearly all of them are five stars. You can literally spend hours reading through each and every one. In one of the most recent reviews, Sebastian from Oceanside, California writes this. This place is amazing. Very small with a mom and pop feel to it. The selection is mainly for breakfast and consists mostly of paninis. My girlfriend and I are both vegetarian and we're pleasantly surprised to see vegan options that, spoiler alert, tasted amazing. The service was excellent. I thought I had ordered an egg, cheese, and avocado panini, but I think I messed up because it did not have avocado, but the gentleman up front did not allow my taste buds to go unsatisfied because he gave me free guacamole. In addition, when you check in on Yelp, you get a free cookie, and since this was my first time, he gave my girlfriend and I a free one. Each. Customer service is amazing here. Or on December 30th, Bev writes this. We were greeted like family by Bob and could not have felt more at home. It literally was like a family member just opened the door to his home for us. A plus in my book. I work in the hospitality industry and this small gem of a place hits all the notes. Thank you, Sunnyside, for your hospitality and a delicious breakfast. Aaron from Vista, California writes, I'm so sad this place isn't open on Sundays because I would literally brunch it there every weekend. Or Gene from Escondido writes, The staff is super friendly. You can tell they have a ton of regulars. We will be back. And they go on and on and on like that. So what's the secret? Well, most of us have changed jobs at least once in our life. But what about careers? Can you imagine doing so after 30 years in your industry? That's exactly what happened to Bob and Kate Carpenter, who spent much of their lives in journalism before falling victim to the recession. Faced with an uncertain future, they chose instead to see the situation for what it was, an opportunity. And so they carved out a whole new life for themselves, learning the ins and outs of the restaurant industry as they opened up a cozy little cafe in Southern California they named Sunnyside Kitchen. Stick around, because on this week's episode, we're talking about perspective shifts, the power of community, cultivating a passionate Yelp following, and why journalism was perhaps the best education for a career in hospitality. There's an old saying that goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who can see when shown, and those who will never see. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for everyone in the middle. Hey everyone, thanks again for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. Now, if you've been following along for a while, you'll know that most of the time it is just me. I choose a topic, we pick that topic apart, we see what sort of insights we can glean, uh, what we can apply to our own businesses, but every so often, uh, I change things up with an interview and this is one of those weeks. I'm thrilled to be talking with Bob and Kate Carpenter. Uh, They're a husband and wife team from Escondido California, and uh, they run their own restaurant called Sunnyside Kitchen. Bob, Kate, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thank Chip. We're excited to be here. Now, well, I'm excited to have you, although I guess I should say welcome back, uh, because we did try this interview one time uh, before, uh, a few months back, and uh, and had terrible connection issues. Uh, so I appreciate you sitting down, carving out more time uh, to, to try this again. Happy to be here. 
to start, um, I guess I want to give the listeners uh, a little bit of context uh, about uh, who you guys are, uh, how you came to the restaurant industry, because uh, Sunnyside is really like a second act for both of you, right? So can you talk a little bit about that? So both of us were journalists. Uh, I was a magazine editor for 32 years with cars, trucks, boats, motorcycles, and um, Kate was also a journalist. I got uh, started with community journalism, community newspapers, progressed to a daily paper, and then into public relations, which is a lot like journalism, um, getting the story, getting um, working with the media. Uh, after 20 years in that business, I found myself out of a job due to the recession. So I had to decide, am I going to try to find another job in PR or as a journalist or in writing? What did I want to do? I was um, pretty convinced that I was done with that. Uh, 20 years was enough. I wanted to do something with my hands. I wanted to do something with um, one-on-one with people, not uh, disconnected by uh, a desk and a computer. So I decided to start making cookies to sell at the farmer's market. It was an idea that I had based on a thought I wanted someday to have a little cafe, a little, I always thought I'd have a bagel shop. I didn't know what it would be, but all I knew at that time was that I could make some wonderful cookies and bring them to the public and interact with the public and um, get a little business started that way. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to stop you right here because there are a couple of things that I wanted to, to jump in on. So the recession hits and you find yourself laid off. Um, did you, th- I mean, I guess in hindsight, can you look back? Were, were you already feeling kind of burnt out or, or did, you know, being faced with this, you know, situation really force you to, to come to terms with it all? I was feeling a little burned out, although I had a great job and I had a wonderful boss who I really credit with a lot of the skills I have today. Mm-hmm. So I, I was slightly, um, I was struggling and this, the layoff was an opportunity. Yeah. And I was uh, grateful that Bob still had a job and we could try something um, different. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's interesting. I think a lot of, a a lot of people faced, um, with a similar situation wouldn't necessarily react the same way. And I'm sure it didn't feel that way, you know, immediately as you were going through it. But, but I, I love that. I think that's, um, I think that's really bold and I think it's really interesting. And I, and I think it's not unique in that I think a lot of other people probably share a similar story or find themselves in, in similar situations throughout their lives. One more thing, Chip, because you're absolutely right about that. We have a little story in the restaurant that tells my story about what happened. And I don't know how many people have said to me, I can't believe you did this. I can't believe you changed careers so drastically. I'm going to do that too. I mean, for whatever their reasons are, and they're all different, it's, I feel like I'm not alone. I wasn't alone, and it was an exciting transition that I'm happy to see others doing into whatever arena. A lot of them actually want to do food. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, we obviously, you know, grow up around food. We, you know, we eat food three times a day, you know, sometimes more. <laughs> yes. And uh, so, 
it's people have a you know have at least a context for it um had you always had you always cooked you know you make it sound like well i was out of work i decided to start baking and then i i sold my cookies but i assume you you did this before before you got laid off or no i did a lot of um classes when i was a food editor i did a lot of uh collecting of cookbooks and trying out recipes yeah i have a book club i cook for them and so I have always enjoyed cooking and I enjoy the hospitality part of it. So um, it wasn't a huge leap, but still a scary leap. Yeah. yeah. Listen, uh, absolutely. So, okay. So you start, you start making cookies and so what, so what are you doing? So tell me like actually the nuts and bolts of, of what you were doing to, to sell these cookies and to, and to make money. Uh, okay. So we had to, um, we had to get into a farmer's market, which in Southern California is not that challenging. Um, there are farmer's markets every single day of the week, but, uh, we had to find a commercial kitchen to cook the cookies in and we had to get licenses and we had to get serve safe certified, which, uh, all foodie people know is how you prove you're capable of cooking. And then we got into a farmer's market and we got into two farmer's markets and then we got into three farmer's markets and we just hit the ground running. We also had a gluten-free product, so that helped bring a different dimension to cookies, a different take on a cookie, so it was helpful. Right. And we always made our cookies, we make them bite-sized. So they're they're a perfect size for gobbling up. You can right. <laughs> I love that. So it was uh, it was a fun little um, product, and people were great about buying it up. So then these are so the farmers markets was like you went here one day, you went here another day, you went back to the first place a third. Like, how does how does that work? You were just here, there, and everywhere. We had a farmers market every Sunday. We had one every Tuesday. We had one every Thursday. Different cities in San Diego. Yes. Of course, you couldn't be easy. It couldn't just be in in, in one location. No. So it's, it's, we used to say it's a little bit like being in the circus. You pile all your stuff up into the car, drive there, set it all up, make the food, tear it all back down, go back to the commercial kitchen, clean everything, put it all back in the car, and the next day go to another place and do it all over again. That's good. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> it's a good education. It's a, it's a relatively inexpensive way to get into food and find out what it takes to actually cook professionally and how to sell your product, how to market your product. And it gives you a great lesson. Yeah, I think that's a really, I think that's a really good point. So many, um, you know, and, and we'll get to this, but so many restaurant owners, I think, have this dream of opening a restaurant, and they and they just go to to try to do the restaurant, not realizing, you know, all the fixed costs. Uh, certainly, by doing it the way you guys did it, uh, you were limiting uh, some of those fixed costs, right? Yes, exactly. It forces you to make a lot of decisions. You have to design a business card. You have to decide if you're going to have a blue and white checkered tablecloth or you're going to have wood boxes to set the things on top of. What's your look? What's your what's your whole... You have to make a lot of decisions. And a farmer's market compared to a full restaurant is much smaller, but it's the same idea. And so you learn that one of the things Kate always said is, well, I get to make all the decisions, but I have to make all the decisions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then how long did that go on for i mean how much how long did you guys do that three years wow we, we expanded from just farmers markets to also going to the local breweries in san diego there's a big brewery scene yeah. and most of them don't have a restaurant so people would come with a pop-up tent and and put up your grill and make sandwiches and 
Uh, oh yeah, because after cookies, we expanded to sandwiches. Forgot to mention that. <laughs> Great. So you're doing cookies for a while, and then you expanded to other things. What? So what was that, and how did that transition go? Well, we started doing panini sandwiches and salads and a soup. And after we got good at that, we started going to local breweries. Um, San Diego has a big brewery scene, craft breweries, and most of them don't have a restaurant. So we would go there and set up our 10 by 10 tent and some grills and, and make sandwiches uh, at the breweries. And that, that was a much higher volume than the um, farmer's market. So it taught us how to you know, make 100 sandwiches in a night. Were other people doing that too? Or were you guys alone? This is, you know, back five years ago, six years ago, it was all the rage. There was all these different companies going to the breweries. Every night they'd, they'd have somebody there making something. Um, oh, that sounds cool. Right as we got out of it, the health department kind of caught on to what people were doing. It wasn't exactly within their uh, rules. So they created a new license for that. And that's right about the time we got out was when the new license came in. So it was kind of good timing for us. Right. And so with that new license, does it make it um, much more difficult? I mean, does this thing still happen? It still does. But, you know, a lot of people, you know, they don't want to spend another $500 for a different license. Right. So the people who are right on the edge of not making any money would get out of it. And that encouraged more food trucks than just pop-ups. Right, right. For sure. So you guys did that then for three years in all. Um somewhere in there you got the idea to have your own place or how did that come to be? I think that was kind of planned all along. We made a business plan and we said in the business plan we said within three to five years we want to have a brick and mortar. And it was exactly at three years that we started looking around for a place and uh, we looked at a lot of places that were existing, um, put a bid in on one that we didn't get and then we found what became the place we're in now a woman had just shut down the retail part of it a few weeks before. She was still doing some catering, but she was technically still open. And uh, we bought the equipment from her and just talked to the landlord. And he said he would just charge us the same rent he was charging her. That, and so that's it was just that easy? <laughs> it, it was um, on one, in one sense. We just wrote her a check for 20000 and that got us the stove and hood and fire suppression system and a reach-in refrigerator and a freezer and a low boy and a cooler and furniture and uh, utensils and plates and chairs. And the, the place was a running restaurant, but we spent about three or four weeks cleaning and remodeling and changing the colors and tearing out a lot of stuff that was to, not helpful for us. I, I think that's so interesting. So then what was the concept before you guys took it over and then you know we'll use that as a as a jumping pad to you know as a, as a launch pad to talk about what it became what, what you guys created so what was it before so before us for six years it was a kind of a mediterranean italian type place that specialized in baking their own gluten-free bread okay um so it was really dark maroon walls and it had lattice closing off the kitchen with fake grape leaves on it <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting the good picture of it now. Yeah, and dark and, uh, and very it's very small, 660 square feet. Yeah. So there's there's three two tops and one 
table that seats six inside. That's it. Wow. And then there's three tables outside that seat four each. Well, lucky, luckily, you live in San Diego, and so it's, uh, <laughs> you know. Pretty much the outside is used every day, yeah. Correct. <laughs> and before that, for 20 years, it was called the Orange Street Cafe. Orange Street Deli. I'm sorry, Orange Street Deli, uh, which people loved. And then people still tell us stories about how much they loved it. So it's been a restaurant for quite a few years. Now, why? So the previous owner, why did she shut down? Was was business down, or was she just tired of all the upkeep? Or, or do you do you know why? She was tired of it. She she said she never really wanted retail. She really wanted to do catering and um, meals at people's homes and things like that. And she was tired of running the front of the house. So she, um, after we gave her the check, she went off to Italy for a few months and had some fun there, and then uh, just got into like cooking for people's people in their homes yeah so she's doing that okay so then you take the space over and the space obviously fit your vision for for what you had in mind for for sunnyside so then then talk about that what what is sunnyside what what do you guys do there and and then how what was the process (laughs) that you went through to get it there well sunnyside kitchen is uh, a mom and pop shop so it's all about um Bob and Kate <laughs> and our small place. Um, the beauty of it is that our kitchen is open to the dining room. So, and it's a very small dining room. So we have the opportunity of getting to know our customers very well and they get to know us. And it feels like you're at your aunt's house and she's cooking dinner for you or lunch for you or breakfast for you. Um, we're, it's an intimate place, and we relish the connection with our customers. Um, we, we are open for breakfast and lunch, uh, Monday through Saturday. We, our menu is not at all traditional. We specialize in panini sandwiches. We continued with the panini sandwich trend and uh, widened that menu slightly to include the breakfast sandwiches and the lunch sandwiches. Um, We make them all to order for people. So there's lots of opportunity for customization, which um, our market is very into. And uh, in addition to sandwiches, which which are delicious. (laughs) You had to say. (laughs) A lot of people don't want bread. So we do a lot of salads. Sure. Um, We also have oatmeal and quiche we have amazing coffee that's roasted locally for us uh so it's a very small menu it's very specialized toward the panini and and special orders and so was the previous restaurant open at dinner i'm I'm guessing it was or was that also kind of a daytime place it was more lunch and dinner yeah interesting and so you guys did you are did you always have it in mind that you wanted a, a daytime place, a breakfast and lunch, or is this just kind of how it, it shook out? Um, I always did want breakfast and lunch, yes. Uh, also, when we opened the restaurant, we were still doing the breweries, so we would go there at night. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, we were, open, we were open a lot of hours, but we weren't on site here for all those hours, so... When we had an opportunity to scale back, we uh, we took it because it's you know we can only do so much, and we wanted to bring our best. A year of working yeah. sixteen hours a day, 
uh, was enough. So now it's down to 12 hours a day, six days a week. Yeah. Lucky you. <laughs> so, uh, so then that was five years ago. Are you guys celebrating five years now? Yeah. In March, we're going to have a big party to celebrate our five-year anniversary. That's amazing. That's uh, They always say three years is the mark, but I think five years is pretty incredible too, right? I think we're so. glad I mean, to be here. We've yeah. seen a lot of restaurants come and go yeah. uh, in this town and, and in San Diego downtown. And uh, some some big, well-funded restaurants that didn't make it. And we feel like it's uh, it's quite an achievement. And, and our customers tell us that too. They, they're all excited that, it's, that we've lasted. Yeah, well, that's that's good. I mean, you've got a, a loyal fan base. So can you think back to the beginning? Um, so what was it like in those early days? So you said 16-hour days. You're there working breakfast and lunch and then racing here, there, and everywhere to the breweries to bring food. But, but can you... I guess what I want to understand is, was it a was it a hit right from the beginning? Did it did it catch on right away, or did it take time? Can you remember back? Well, let's see what Kate says. But I, I remember those first few first few days. It was like, is anybody going to come in? You're just like waiting for somebody to yeah. walk in, and you don't want to like attack them when they walk in. You want to act cool, act cool, you know. <laughs> it was a slow going. Yes, our neighbors, which uh, are not restaurants, they're very unique businesses uh, anytime when someone would come to their places we would be hopeful that they would come here um, but slowly but surely you know i'm not sure how we won people over we just um started with the local businesses you know there's hairdressers and uh, cpas and real estate people they would come over and check us out and i mean some of them really checked out they looked around they checked out how cleaner things that kind of stuff you know yeah is this a place I want to eat in? You could just tell that that's what they're doing. They're not just reading the sign. They're you know they're kind of almost like you know wiping their finger on the shelves kind of thing. Right. And uh, we had people make comments. Okay, I'm going to eat here. It's like okay, interesting. <laughs> but they just kind of eat from that. And then the hairdressers tell their clients. The clients say, "I'm going to go get some lunch afterwards." They say, "Hey, go right over there. That new place is really good." Oh, that's so, so good. They help that's, us a lot. That's, that's key. So, so then that was, so then it just kind of built organically over the first few weeks or the first few months, or did that take a year? Can, can you remember back? Yeah, I'd say over the first year, because I remember after a year, we said, okay, January, we want to make X amount of dollars per month. This is our new goal. And it was more than making, of course. And February, we wanted to go up by $50 per day. Right. February, we wanted to go up by $50. And then March, another $50. And April, <laughs> this is impossible, but this amount, it was like, there was an, we thought it was an impossible amount. And it went true to form. And, and it's like, they say you have to write down your goals to make them happen. And yeah. we wrote all that down. It's like writing down a business plan. That's why you, you have to do it. Even if you think it's crazy, you've got to write it down. And then somehow it just it managed to happen. And uh, then we got placed on Yelp's Top 100 Places to Eat. And it blew us up big time. I mean, we almost doubled what we were doing in a day immediately. Yeah. So, so talk about that. So, so for those that don't know this, this Yelp Top 100. So every well, every year Yelp does a list of the top 100 places to eat in the country. And um, in 2017, they put us on their list as 51. And it was incredulous. It was like I got the email, and I'm like, what are they talking about? They, Top 100 in San Diego, maybe, or, <laughs> or you know, what do they mean? And I've, I realized what it was. It was the entire country. And I'm like looking like, well, a lot of the restaurants from San Diego are on this list. Like, where's all the big ones, the big names everyone knows about? They're not there. There was one at that year. There was one other restaurant, this really cool um, diner, and um, 
And I'm, in fact, I'm looking, listen, where's, what restaurants in New York are on this list? There wasn't one. Like, this is crazy. I mean, how, how are we on this list? This is impossible. And then I read a little bit more about it, and they, they, they kind of have these algorithms and things, and they're trying to, to highlight smaller places, places that haven't been in business for 20 years. They're kind of, uh, in a way, rewarding the smaller places that have done really well on reviews. I mean, you have to have basically all five-star reviews. Uh, and you have to have more than a hundred reviews. Anything less than that, they think it's all your relatives. Um, <laughs> so we had like we had like four or five hundred reviews at the time, and we were a solid five star. And uh, that's how we got on the list. And then the next year, they put us on again at forty-five, and so that boosted us again, like maybe another thirty percent. And people still see that all the time. They come in and say, "I saw you on the top one hundred list." That's so crazy. It's very crazy, and then this 2019, we got a, this uh, this new list, a thing called Top Rated Local, and they they do it by state, and they what they do is they aggregate um, six different review sites like Yelp and Google and Facebook and Find Me Gluten Free and a bunch of different sites, and they say who has the overall top rating, and they rated us number one in all of California. Wow! And I'm like, okay. Where's the French Laundry? Where's Born and Raised? Where's yeah. <laughs> where, Save your money. Go where, to where, go to Sunnyside. Six hundred square foot place in Escondido. We're number one in the entire state. It's like that's so that's gotten a lot of attention too. So yeah, I can imagine each one of these things. It just they kind of build on each other, and it's 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 humbling, and it's and it really makes us feel good. So then, but I want to take a step back here because so the thing that got you onto that list, or at least got you into the mix to be included because of this algorithm was because you had five star reviews and you meet the thre- you met the threshold right you had more than 100 you said you had a, a couple hundred at that point right right so so how did that happen i mean did you did you solicit for reviews or is this all just happening organically you know in the early days i went to a seminar that the local yelp people put on and and they said don't solicit reviews because if you solicit reviews you'll get more fours if you don't solicit the people who are really, really over the top happy with you will give you five star reviews if you're not asking for them. And so we did that. We never brought up Yelp. People will come in and say, "Did you know you have five stars on Yelp?" It's like, Yelp. I've heard of this. What, what is Yelp? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we just we just don't bring it up. We don't we don't make a big deal out of it. And because we have this close relationship with people while we're serving them, um, it creates real a good bond, and people feel really comfortable and, and give us great reviews. I mean, if you read the reviews, some of them are like, you make you want to cry. People talk about how happy they are to be here, to have found a place like this where they feel so comfortable. Yeah. I think another thing is, one of the things is the fact that we're journalists, we, we don't, we like interview people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we don't just say, have a nice weekend. We say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Right. And that's sort of a genuine conversation. They go, oh, I'm going to go to the safari park. Oh, the safari park. You got to check out the new lion exhibit, that thing, or the new platypus thing. That, you know, we go there all the time. And, and then you have this conversation with them and you create a, a relationship that's more than just have a nice day. See, that's, it's so funny because, you know, really that comes down to hospitality, right? Like, you know, they say to be a good conversationalist, just be curious and ask what, what interests you and then listen for the answer. And then think of another question and then listen to the answer. Yeah, and find a, something to connect with. Yeah. Woman came in today wearing a Cal State Northridge sweatshirt. That's two hours from here, but that's where I graduated from college. Well, hey, you're from CSUN. I graduated from there and we start talking about Cal State Northridge. It just 
you know, if they're wearing a Boston hat, talk about, oh, I was in Boston back in the 80s. It was really great. And just find something to talk about. Yeah, but see, you can't force that. You can't, you know, you've got to want to do that. And you guys obviously want to do that, right? I mean, I think that's why you built the place you built. And it's... There's decades of asking people questions and being comfortable with it. Yeah. I don't mind asking somebody, what do you do? You know, what do you do for a living? Oh, that sounds interesting. How do you do that? You know, it's just, you get people talking. People love to talk about themselves. Yeah, for sure. I think that's probably, a, I think you're right. I think this this might be the key to the secret sauce for the all the five-star Yelp reviews. I mean, because you got to have a nice place. You got to have great food. But there are a lot of places that look nice that have great food. Like you said, the, yes. you know, the French Laundry is a, is a beautiful restaurant and, and the food's really great. And... But, you know, you're, you're ranked above them. And I think, you know, what you're not getting at French Laundry is the engagement. According to one thing, yes. Yeah, exactly. According to one thing. And there are people who say Yelp is, you know, ridiculous and should never pay any attention to it. But a lot of people sure do. Well, it's so funny because, you know, in the beginning it was so hated and then it was really ignored for a while. And now it's coming back around and I hear more and more and more businesses uh, really paying attention to it uh, in a way that they didn't you know, five and 10 years ago. It's so funny how just in, you know, the span of a decade, how much things change. Yes. I think you have to treat it as part of your marketing. You know, one example is we've answered every single review. We're now almost 700 reviews and every single one of them, we have an answer, whether it's good or bad. So that's, that's so great. So I, I feel like I'm talking about this uh, to my clients all the time that, uh, the clients that I work with here in New York city, cause I tell them this, um, whenever a review goes up, good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, just respond to it. If it's good, acknowledge that, thank them for, you know, taking the time to post the review. And if it's, if it's bad, take the time to engage with them and at least address their concerns. Right. I mean, is that what you're talking about? Exactly. And, and what Kate always says is keep in mind, you're not answering them to for their sake you're answering it for everybody else who reads that review and says what did the restaurant say in response to this negative review so we always thank them for taking the time to give us some constructive criticism and if it's something that we can change we'll, we'll talk about what we're going to do to improve it um, and if we completely disagree with them uh, we'll just say you know thanks for your input we appreciate it and just don't be negative just stay positive yeah, I think I think that's a really great point that you're that you're doing the reviews, that you're responding to the reviews, not for the sake of that single customer who logged the review, but for the sake of the the hundreds and thousands of people that are visiting that page. Exactly, they're forming an opinion of what you're all about based on what you say. Yeah, of course. So now on a on a daily basis, is it just the two of you guys in there, or do you have other people who are who are working in the in the place? Sometimes it seems like it, but we do have. <laughs> um, college kids that work here and they they kind of come they come in and staggered so like we'll come in first thing in the morning and then one kid will get here like at eight and then another kid gets in at nine and another gets in at ten and then one leaves at one one leaves at two one leaves at three that kind of thing right so um, we have you know most staffed uh during the busiest times of the day and the busier days of the week so we're a little lean on tuesday wednesday thursday but we're heavier on Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Yeah, it just it seems like you guys are so, you know, are, are, are everywhere, you know, a key piece to the uh, the puzzle, it sounds like. That's what I wanted to ask about it. It sounds like there's nobody else there. But there are people there. There are. And, and they're a good bunch of kids. You know, they know what they're doing. Um, just recently, we started doing tests. So, like, we give them a, a four-question test. You know, how do you build this particular salad? How do you make this particular sandwich? How do you make a latte? And we just give them 15 minutes and go answer these questions. And just to kind of keep them sharp and to see where the weak spots are. 
Yeah, for sure. So we just did one the other day, and we said basically everybody got about the same score. So we just said, okay, everybody wins. You all get a box of girls got to your prize, <laughs> and, and they're excited about that, and they, and they care. It's funny to see how serious they are when you tell them. I mean, they're like. They're trying to outdo the last person. You know, it's like, I'm going to do That's good. every single step possibly imaginable in here. Yeah. How do you get that? That's because um, I certainly the, you know, I don't know the stereotype is the other way around. You know, the college kid, you know, kind of shuffles in and just, you know, gets through the shift and then gets out of there. But <laughs> this doesn't seem like that person. I mean, let's see. You recommended that I read the book Setting the Table by Danny Meyer. Yeah. And he says you got to hire for personality. You got to hire somebody that's a go-getter. I can teach you how to slice an onion. That's not that hard. And there's not a tremendous amount of food prep here. And it's the same thing over and over and over. It's cooking chicken, hand shredding chicken. It's slicing an onion. It's, uh, you know, it's cooking a turkey, slicing a turkey, portioning it. It's just, it's not fine dining. Um, so we can teach them that. But somebody who shows up on time and smiles and talks to people in a nice way, and that that's what you need to hire. And, and then just teach them how to do the job. Yeah, which you know makes which goes back to the other point of you know finding people that will engage and you know be engaging and you know somebody that the customers want to engage with you know in the restaurant if you've got if you've surrounded yourself with a bunch of like-minded people who are warm and, and gracious. Right. I mean, you want somebody who's kind, who's engaged, and reliable, and has integrity. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think every restaurant I work with wants wants some of those people. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not easy to find. That's that's for sure. No, no, it never is. Um, so you had brought up the, um, you know, uh, Danny Meyer setting the table. Uh, one of the things that I love about this conversation and the reason that I, that I really wanted to pursue the conversation, uh, partially because we had such a, a good talk the first time around, even though nobody will ever hear that because uh, the, <laughs> the recording got so garbled. Um, uh, but you were, you guys were uh, some of the early listeners um, to the show uh, and you had reached out and gotten in touch with me and had, uh, and had asked to be on the show when I had reached out and said, hey, uh, I'm going to start doing interviews. Does anybody, you know, want to be on here? And you guys were uh, really quick to to reach out. And um, in in those emails that we were writing back and forth, you talked about how uh, how much these lessons and how much the podcast had helped you uh, at least solidify, you know, your identity and figure out who you were and and really kind of you know putting together a marketing plan. And so I guess I want to talk a little bit about that. You know, did you think about marketing at all in the early days? You know, and and then how do you think about marketing now kind of after this, you know, this has all, you know, been part of your world? Well, we did think of marketing, but it was very hazy and disjointed and scattered and just trying a lot of different things and running ads in different places and not knowing what the picture should be or what we should say, just really unsure of ourselves. And, and when... And I've listened to a lot of business podcasts. I mean, a ton. And most of them I don't like. I, I think people, you know, something that should have been a 10-point bulletin becomes a 400-page book. And right. it's, uh, it's just a lot of fluff. And when I got your podcast, the very first one, I'm like, oh, my God. It's like, this is amazing. It's so simplistic. And it's exactly what I need to know. And, and then... Each one was like the same thing. I'm like, this is so. I've listened to every one like three, four times. Oh, that's really sweet of you. I'll listen to it and then I immediately do it again. I go, what did I miss the first time? And it got me going on writing things down. And the very first one is where are we located? And we used to, like, I don't know, there's like an empty parking lot across the street <laughs> for a business bank that no one's ever heard of. And, and then there's like this empty office building uh, at the corner. I don't know. We, you know, it, it, we're on a, 
we're next to a one-way street that goes the opposite direction away from us. <laughs> we could not figure out how to define it. And then we used your podcast to figure it out. And, and the answer is that we're a small mom and pop just off Grand Avenue, which is our main boulevard, in historic downtown Escondido. And it's like really simple, but it just gives people, oh, you're just off Grand. Okay, yeah. I, I know where that is. And then went from there. You know, I started filling out all the other stuff. And, you know, we, we struggle because we don't do the traditional stuff. We don't do biscuits and gravy. We don't do pancakes. We don't do eggs cooked to order. So that's all the things we don't do. Well, what do we do? We do something unique. It's a panini sandwich on sourdough. And we're, uh, we're kind of, we kind of call it casual California cuisine based on your podcast. I, we couldn't figure out what to call it, but... He came up with that after after thinking about it a lot and listening to your podcast. Kate calls me a fanboy, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really sweet of you. It's um, no, it's it's interesting. So in, in the beginning, you see, you guys did run, you know, ads like like traditional like print ads, or what were you guys doing? More of the uh, the buy one get one free pamphlet that they send to your house, and um, other things like that. The local flavor they have out here. Um, it's like a kind of like a magazine that has discounts. One of our biggest problems is we don't want to be a discount place. We don't want to give away fruit, food. Right. We don't want to be buy one get one free. It's like we, our stuff is not inexpensive. It's everything is a expensive that we have all the ingredients, and um, we don't want to cheapen it. So that stuff got people in, but it brought people in that were looking for a discount, looking for a bargain. Right. They don't always come back if they don't have a coupon. Right. We at this point have kind of cut back almost all advertising, so we're doing most everything uh, facebook instagram and um looking working towards getting some google ads put together based on um information i got from your podcast but it seems like at this point you guys have put together a pretty good following with the local businesses and you know people who live and work in the area right um and certainly yelp has helped um that's got to be a key yep. piece to you know your marketing i mean now it's definitely part of the strategy so to speak um you know in the beginning you can't um, you can't affect what people are going to say or how highly they're going to rate you, uh, but you can go in and make sure to respond to each and every one. And certainly that affects that affects the the way you're received, right? Exactly. So then if after the show, right, so we've been going for, you know, I guess almost a year because we launched last April, then just, you know, defining it, I mean, defining your identity, defining your audience, you know, f all of that stuff, um, just help put things in perspective. Is that fair? Yeah, like we, who is our customer? You know, we used to think, oh, everybody's our customer. And then we listen to your <laughs> podcast. It's like, no, they're not. <laughs> you have to design your ideal customer avatar. And it's like, oh, that's really hard. Well, yeah, it is, it's all hard. So we had to really, really work at it and, and narrow it down and, and say, okay, well, this, our ICA is this. And that doesn't mean older people can't come in. That doesn't mean that men can't come in and enjoy the place, even though we think it's kind of designed more for women. Um, right. And it's designed more for like a 25-year-old woman that goes to yoga twice a week and works out. And, uh, you know, that if we design it for her, other people will like it too. But you just stay focused on that. And do you feel like... And do you feel like things are pulling into focus since you've done that? Are you feeling a difference in kind of the day-to-day -day operations, the people you see coming in? Is it like a, a little shift, a big shift, still in the process? It's a little shift at this point because it's been more about us trying to figure out who we are. And and we are just starting to utilize all that information. We 
sat down in December and created a marketing plan for 2020. Yeah. Based on a podcast I listened to. Good. Um, <laughs> we have this whole calendar. We wrote down everything like, you know, last Friday was National Hot Chocolate Day. So we created a, a, a plan. We say, okay, when we're, we're going to do something, when something's important, like, okay, National Hot Chocolate Day, what we're going to do is we're going to write a blog on our website about it. And then we're going to add it to our weekly email that goes out to 600 plus people. And then we're going to post on social media about it. And then we're going to make a sign for in the restaurant. And then we're going to add it to the in-store menu if it's appropriate. And we're going to notify the press if appropriate. And we're going to do a Google post too. Can't forget posting on Google because we forget that too much. And uh, we created like a, a marketing template of all the things that we want to do with each of these things. Yeah. And in the past, it'd be like, oh, I just saw on Facebook, it's National Bacon Day. It's like, oh, darn it. <laughs> we missed you know, it. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's a good opportunity for us to talk about our bacon. Our bacon's really quality bacon, and, and it's crisp. And so we're trying to get in front of it instead of trying to catch up. Yeah. And we're just basically starting that. Get, getting organized is so is like it for me it's like the whole ball game it's i find that i'm talking about it all the time to the clients that i work with uh here in new york and i just and it it, it baffles me uh, how resistant they are to it it's like uh i had a call just this morning uh with a with a potential client and they said oh we want to talk to you about running a series of uh of facebook ads and uh you know and google ads and i was like whoa 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 <laughs> like there's so many things that have to happen there you know there are 10 steps that happen before we talk about running an ad he's like oh well why i was like what are you going to say in the ad who are you going to run the ad to oh, we don't know any of this stuff <laughs> it was like and, and like they just didn't understand they said no we just want an ad i was like okay what do you want it to say well, I, uh, come eat at your restaurant? Yeah, I get it. Of course. That's what everybody wants. Everybody wants their people to come eat at their restaurant. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> exactly. So we spent quite a few months now just working on who we are, what we sell, how are we going to market it. I must interject. <laughs> yeah, please. Because I understand there, I, we, everyone understands that we're too busy to have a marketing plan to know who your client customer is. We're too busy, except you're not too busy. You have to do that in order to be successful at what you're doing. It's it's part, it's as much, it's as important as making the chicken and the meatloaf and the salads. And it's as important as everything you do every day. It's just a bigger picture item. Yeah. So I understand where they're coming from because we're exhausted every day. We don't really want to think about work for another hour. But if we don't, we're not going anywhere. We're just running in place. And, and that's the thing with so many restaurants is that it ends up being um, it ends up being so much about putting out fires. It's so easy, you know, just come in and manage the day, and you're just putting out that fire, putting out this fire. This person didn't show up. Oh, that's per that person's sick. Oh, this delivery didn't come in. Table twenty two is is annoyed. I mean, it, it's so easy. You spend your whole day doing that, and then the day's over, and you've done nothing. You know, you've done nothing to play offense. You've just played defense the whole day. Yeah. Right. Or another saying is, you're working in the business, but you got to work on the business. Yeah, it's it's so true. And you know, if you're a chef proprietor, you unfortunately have to do have to do both. And thank you for making it slightly easier. We appreciate all your all your work has made our work a little easier. 
Well, it's it's really sweet of you to say, I mean, the thing I say over and over again, and I'll say it again now, is that I didn't invent any of this stuff. Um, the thing that I just love is simplifying it. It's just boiling it down to its uh, to its core pieces uh, because people have been writing about this on and on and on. I mean, back in the 60s, it was Zig Ziglar talking about, you know, um, he was talking about sales, but really it was the, the foundation of modern marketing. And then it's just built on from there. But, you know, this idea of, uh, of serving your audience, taking care of people, you take care of people, they'll take care of you. Um, you know, Zig Ziglar famously said, right, it was, you know, you can get everything you want, as long as you help everyone else get everything they want. Um, and, and that's just, and isn't that the truth in, in just about every business I can think of? Yeah, it just requires being aware. I mean, an example is, there's some new people coming to the restaurant today, and the one woman got uh, avocado toast. And the way we do avocado toast is we put the avocado on the side, and we give you the toast. And you can put the avocado on yourself. And she gets it, and she picks up the bread and looks at the bottom side of the bread. <laughs> and you can just see the look on her face. She's like, hmm. So immediately we know, okay, there's something wrong. Check on her. So Kate says, hey, can, can I get you some butter for your bread? So we don't put butter on it because we have a lot of vegans, and they don't want butter on the bread. So we're always saying, it's like, you just have to pay attention. If somebody looks like there's something off, they're not drinking their iced tea, ask them if they'd like a different iced tea. Would you like something else to drink? You know, Would you like a lemonade? And give them the chance to say, yeah, this really isn't working for me. And instead, because most people won't say anything. So you have to watch for that. Yeah, it's it's so true. So tell me, I want to I want to interject here because I want to know a little bit more about the place. Um, so your avocado toast, you leave the avocado on the side. Uh, you got no pancakes. You got no other breakfast stuff. So, <laughs> so what are the things you guys don't do? What are the yeah? What are the things you don't do? And then what are the things you do do? The main thing we don't do is cook eggs to order. So somebody comes in and says, "Could I have my eggs scrambled?" No. Could I have my eggs over easy? No. We bake the eggs. We put them in muffin top pans, little shallow pans, and they come out in little circles. We put the egg in there. We break the yolk. Oh, yeah. Can I have egg whites? No. <laughs> we make them all the same. And they're hard cooked. They're not runny at all. They're safe to eat. Um, and that's the way it comes. And if you don't want that, then you should get something else or go somewhere else. Or, I, mean, I don't mean to yeah. sound too harsh, but that's how we cook them. Because that way we can cook the eggs and then we can put them in the refrigerator and keep them safe. Yeah. But our main, our main idea is pretty simple. So we take pure ingredients. I mean, we're just taking chicken and cheese and bread that was delivered today. I mean, we're just trying to keep it as simple and delicious as possible. So we have sauces that we make ourselves and we put it on there with the chicken and the cheese and a little bit of fresh spinach and all together it's something wonderful. Um, and if someone doesn't want cheese, we're happy to take the cheese off. It's not the same sandwich, but it's the sandwich that you want. And we're happy to make that for you. Right. Uh, so it is a whole egg. It's, we don't have the staff to cook it to order, but it's just an egg. And it's uh, all, got all the yummy nutrition that you're looking for, uh, just in a different format. So, yes, our panini are made to order with ingredients that have been cooked ahead. Uh, our quiche is made, you know, throughout the day. It's not made to order. It's reheated for you in the oven. It comes out melty and delicious. It's made in-house from scratch. It's just like um, your mom would make for your lunch when you get home from school. Yeah. These salads, we you know, we bring the freshest ingredients we can find. And we put them together for you. Our oatmeal is very popular. It's not at all like oatmeal you would get 
I don't think anywhere else. It's we make that to order. So if you're vegan, we make it with steamed almond milk and strawberries and almonds. It's a hearty, uh, textured oatmeal, not a mushy processed oatmeal. <laughs> very simple, um, simply put together. I love it. And the fact that in the kitchen, people see you doing it. They see you putting the ingredients together. It, it's a real thing. We're really proud of our ingredients and, um, and the recipes that we have come up with that we really like. Yeah. So, and we hope everyone likes it and we're willing to make changes, but we're not, we can't do everything. Yeah. So we try to stick to what we like. Well, I love it. It's a, you know, I mean, it really is everything that I talk about when it's like you find your audience uh, by figuring out who is not your audience. And uh, this seems like, this seems like that personified. Exactly. So I got to ask you a couple minutes ago, I was yes. asking, you know, who else worked in the restaurant because uh, I discovered through social media uh, that you guys recently just took a trip. So you actually removed yourself from Sunnyside for about a week, right? That was terrifying. Did give everyone notice. <laughs> from special training. <laughs> So special training, and the place didn't burn down, and it's still there when you returned. Uh, where did you go? We went to London. And had, had you been before? Well, I, I've traveled a lot. So in my previous life, I traveled for business. So I've been to like 12 countries in 45 states. Um, Kate, on the other hand, when I met her 12 or 13 years ago, um, had not been to Europe. So uh, before wow. we opened the restaurant, we went to uh, Paris and Rome. Then we opened up the restaurant and didn't go anywhere. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Funny how that happens, right? Yeah. So we finally decided that we, we just had to do it. We had to go. We, we planned it for three different years and canceled it three times. So like, we can't keep doing that. We have to go. And we were going to just close the restaurant, but we decided that we did crunch all the numbers. Like, how much money would we lose in a week having to pay the electricity and the rents and all that stuff versus could we make any money if we had staff here selling food we weren't sure that they would actually make a profit or not it turns out that they did so that was really good that's something we we have a decent crop of kids now the college kids that are considerate and and honest and and hardworking. so we give them a little bit extra training because you know they were never here at 5 30 in the morning in the past to open up or they weren't right. at five o'clock at night still doing dishes. So um, once we got them trained, we, we gave them the keys and we went to London. That's awesome. It was everything we wanted it to be and more. We had so much fun and we saw so many interesting things. And, and everywhere we went, I, I think you said something about this too, is that you look, go to a little cafe and you look around and you go, oh, look at how they do that. Hmm, that's a good idea. Yeah, so, so I, I want to know about that. What, because obviously I did a whole episode about my trip to Paris about you know a bunch of things that struck me. But um, So I, I want to hear from you guys. So when you went to London, what were, what were some of the things that struck you where you just went, oh, that's interesting, we should do that? Or that, you know, what struck you? Oh, gosh. A lot of things, uh, it was, we went... We went to breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day, and then we had a few snacks in between. So we ate everywhere and everything. And the place we stayed, we actually stayed in an Airbnb that was above a cafe. So we got to see firsthand how a restaurant in London runs, a very small restaurant kind of like ours. That's cool. And it's it was uh, extremely different. She does cook like we do, you know, from scratch. She makes home 
meals that people love, they stand in line for. Um, she has a very small dining room and a very small staff. And so in a lot of ways we are similar, but she is uh, a little erratic. Like we would come home one night at seven and she wouldn't be open. <laughs> and then we would, leave, <laughs> we would leave one morning at eight and she wasn't open yet. And then she didn't have a menu on the wall. So you, I had no idea what we could order. That's funny. So apparently you would just go in and say, I'll, what do you have? And I'll have that. So it was a very different way of going to a restaurant yeah. and, and just seeing what you have, what they have. So it's interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, to say the least. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's like a real local thing. It's like the people that live there just come on in and have whatever she made. <laughs> and they're not, they're not real picky. Is it chicken or is it whatever? That's so funny, right? But one of the other things is we're in a, a little cafe and up by the register, they had their, um, their soup. And we're like, you know what's interesting about that is that you can smell it. And every time they serve it, if you're standing in line with the order, you can see them serving the soup. And we're like, ah, oh, we should do that. And so we moved our, our soup cauldron up by the register. So the person who takes their order can then say, do you want your soup right away? And give them their soup. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah. And then other people see you serving it. It looks good. They're like, what is that? It smells good. Yeah. And it moved up some space over in our expo area, which was really crammed for space. So it kind of helped two things. Right. So that's been a nice little Just looking at how people, how they use shelves and, and uh, how they store things and you know, where they put things. Everywhere you go, it's an education. Yeah, it's it's interesting just how crammed everything in Europe is. We take for granted here in America things. I mean, even in New York City, where where we have limited space, uh, we certainly had more space than most of the places that we went to in Paris. I mean, our our apartment because we stayed in an Airbnb as well. Our apartment was tiny. The bathroom was tiny, and most of the restaurants <laughs> that we went to, you know, ended up being so crammed. And you know, just how creative they had to get with space and, and where they put people. Yeah, we went. Few pubs like that you could barely get in you could barely get a beer but we we persevered it's cra- yeah well you <laughs> <laughs> you have to right so then so tell me so you know you're there for you know a, a week um it struck me when i was in paris i you know because i really started thinking about it because i i hardly think about this i'm like oh how did i pick the places i picked you know how did we wind up here you know and and so i'm i'm curious to hear what you guys thought you know, did you ever think about that? You're like, oh, why did we end up here? Like, how do we pick this place versus that place? Uh, I did a bunch of research before we left. Um, and it seems like Yelp is just not that big a deal in London. They Most places don't really care. They, they don't even own their own accounts. They don't respond to people. Very few um, actual reviews of places. So that wasn't real helpful. But I looked at things like we were staying in a town of Shoreditch. And so I would... Google the best places to eat in Shoreditch and Google would have all these different articles that like locals had written about their favorite places. And so I, I just took a whole bunch of notes and wrote down places that sound interesting. But the best thing was people telling us where to go. Yeah. So I was like, you know, oh, they're from London and they say, oh, you've got to try this place called the, the Dirty Bird. You know, they do burgers. Or you got to go to this restaurant. What was that Italian restaurant called? Fiona's. Fiona's with two Fs. <laughs> Probably the best dinner we had, yes. It was. Oh, it that's was, cool. The owner yeah. ended up sitting down with us and talking to us. And it was amazing. We were just talking about uh, the person who told us to go. He's like, oh, yeah, I know her. And she comes here every so often. And, and there was a flight attendant sitting next to us. Um, and he goes there all the time. And so we just asked him what we should order. 
And he said, oh, you have to get the chicken Kiev. It's the best in the world. And trust me, I've been all over the world. And so people, that's that's really the best way. Yeah. So it's, you, uh, so the person who recommended this place was somebody you knew from California? Or was that somebody you met? They're a customer of ours. Oh, okay. So since we, since we talk to people all day long, <laughs> we'll just, hey, we're going to London. And if anybody has an English accent, we happen to mention we're going to London. And they will say, oh, my gosh, you got you to gotta do this or you got to do that. Um, one of our favorite things was this thing called um, Box Park. And they have a whole bunch of those sea shipping containers. And they stacked them up. And then each one is a different restaurant or, or whatever. They had clothing stores, too. And, oh, that's cool. But they had all these different restaurants. It was so cool. And it had a, like a patio up on top. And uh, we went there a couple times and tried different things. But, yeah, the, the customers coming in is, is the key thing. And, and now, every day, customers are like, hey, didn't you just go to London? And we get to retell the story all over again. Oh, like, so cool. Multiple times a day about how much fun we had. And, and, and so it's another connection with people yeah i'm just i'm always fascinated because obviously we spend so much time thinking about how to attract diners into our place that when i travel now i just can't help but think like oh like how do i pick places Uh, because that's just going to inform you know how i do my job and how i help you know other kind of restaurant owners you know fill their seats um so it seems like it's the you know you're already doing the thing which is uh you know word of mouth engage with people they'll go out and and spread the good word about the great meal they had at Sunnyside, right? Exactly. Yeah. But it's true, it's true that um, the, you, you eat with your eyes first, and uh, we wouldn't go in a place if, you know, if it didn't have what, all the things we need, you know, if it doesn't have an A in the window, we're not going in. If it looks dirty, I'm not going in. If, uh, you know, if there's nobody in there, you know, sometimes... We won't go in, even though that's a terrible thing to say. Yeah. For example, we were looking for a place for lunch, and it was early lunch, so no one was anywhere. And we had to decide between these two places. And one was like a a sit-down, kind of a pub kind of place. And the other one was this fast food place that was uh, falafels. And I said, oh, I don't really want falafels. So we went across the way to the pub place and had an okay meal. But as we were sitting there, we see this line of people for the falafels. <laughs> it was like a serious a half hour of line for falafels. That's I'm like, funny. oh my God, what did we miss over there? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we didn't uh, pick wisely that day, I guess. Too funny. What else? Uh, what else do you guys do there? When, you know, when you weren't eating, uh, doing fun, did you do all the touristy stuff, or just kind of hang around? We did a lot of everything. We um, we did the touristy stuff. We went to Buckingham Palace and saw the changing of the guard, and we went to Westminster Abbey, and we went to um, St. Paul's and climbed the steps to the top of the Golden Dome, where you could overlook the whole city. And, yeah, and. Um, Went to a bunch of museums, saw all kinds of crazy stuff. What's that city we went to? Notting Hill? Oh, Notting Hill for shopping. Notting Hill. Yeah. Yeah. They have a farmer's market that's the biggest farmer's market you've ever seen in your life. Really? We walked like a mile down the main drag and, and didn't even do the side streets. And, and finally said, okay, that's enough. Like, wow. I can't walk anymore. It was incredible. That's cool. I, I've never been to London, and uh, it's definitely on my list. You know, a long time ago, people used to always say that the food in England is boring. It's all boiled cabbage and boiled beef. But it's become there's so many people that have immigrated into London 
that they've been influenced by a lot of different cultures. And so there's all kinds of, you know, they say the best food there is Indian food. Yeah. Um, you have to get tiki masala, which is the one thing you didn't end up getting. Um, <laughs> it's not just all fish and chips. It's just, we ate a great Thai restaurant there too. It was fantastic. Yeah. And it was the quirkiest little place. It had like four different little levels that was, you know, like four or five tables at each level. And we were marveling, like, how do they keep track of the orders and get them up and down the stairs? And it was, like, amazing how they operated. Right. And it was packed. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you guys got away. Uh, you're back now, uh, business as usual, right? Yes. And, in fact, um, we're excited that January is usually a month where things dip because people make New Year's resolutions to eat less and spend less money. And we didn't have that dip. We stayed on track with what we've been doing all, all last year. So, yeah, that's great. That the future, yeah. That's is that, that was, partially? Do you think because of your concept? Because you guys are kind of naturally, you know, a lot of you know healthy food and stuff anyway. Yes, and we keep promoting that more and more. You know, so if somebody says, "Oh, I'm on the keto diet." We have a keto salad. You know, right? Or they, say, I can't eat bread. Well, we have. We can make your sandwich salad style. We'll just put all those ingredients on some spinach, and and we we give people options when they when they're trying to diet or or avoid something in particular we're usually able to help them out right yeah it seems like your concept would fit right in with that so you're now cruising towards your fifth anniversary in march right big party yep big party lots of grilled cheese <laughs> <laughs> that's cool uh again it's a it's a huge thing it's uh it's really great um tell me what's um what's next or like what's the future of sunnyside like what's the what are the next five years look like have you guys started thinking about that Yes. We were not thinking about it at all, but this year I'm turning 60. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and we're like, you know, we got to start thinking. I mean, can we do this for 20 more years? Can I do this when I'm 80? That seems unlikely, but maybe, I don't know. You know, Maybe I just I stop carrying around the 40 pounds of chicken and get somebody else to do that. Um, right. <laughs> so, you know, we're starting, well, I mean, we need to, we don't exactly know what the exit plan is, but the main thing is we want to keep growing and, and there's a lot of more business we can do out of this small place. We could do a lot more of the early morning. We could do a lot more catering. We do a lot more to go. Um, so we're trying to really focus on increasing the business there at least five more years. We, we um, just put up a mural on our, we have a one big wall. We put up a, a mural that was custom designed for us. And that's kind of like our statement that we're staying in this spot. We're not going to move to a bigger place like a lot of people keep asking us. Yeah, um, and we're we plan on being here for a while. I don't know if that really answered your question, but uh, we're gonna keep keep it on. Try to get better. Try to get more efficient. Try to, you know, grow. And uh, our goal is to grow sales by twenty percent in twenty twenty, uh, which is no small thing. Um, so that <laughs> so uh, then when you say you're specifically looking to um, to carve out more. Uh, more sales uh, in catering and delivery. What steps are you guys taking to do that um, specifically, or is that what you're exploring now? I think our, our biggest plan for that is through Google Ads, which we have not utilized at all, but I was encouraged to through your podcast. And um, one of the things I feel like I need to do first is build a landing page on our website that the ad takes people to that is um, totally dedicated to catering. Um, so we're actually in the process of having that done. We've got somebody making a landing page for us and designing an ad. Um, but I think that's that's a new avenue is, is targeting people with Google ads for catering. 
And then, so what will that, the landing page um, captures an email address and gives them like a 10% off their first uh, order? Or, or what does that look like? What's the offer? That's a good idea. Um, <laughs> sure. uh, my plan was just ha have the ad that says we do catering. Somehow we have to target the smaller businesses because like 10 to 15 people is our sweet spot. Right. Um, and we do get quite a few of those little, little businesses or, or pharmaceutical sales people that are bringing to a medical office. Yeah, for got, sure. We do have a pretty big hospital nearby. And so we want to create an ad that gets their attention and, and then send them to this landing page, which is like, you know, this is what we can do for you in, in catering. Here's how we structure it. And it would be just all catering. And hoping that that's something that would get more business. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I guess that would be the question. Uh, my question to you would be, you know, what's like, what's the, the value proposition? What's the, what's the offer? What's going to make them go, oh, and, uh, and, you know, take the bait and click to go to the landing page. Um, I wonder. I think it's that we're local, we're a small business, we knew, we're uh, careful about the, the ingredients that we pick. Um, we have the ability to make vegan food and gluten-free food. You know, we can solve your, you're trying to order for a, a group of 15, somebody's going to be gluten intolerant, somebody's going to be lactose intolerant, somebody's going to be vegan, and you can't get all of those at a lot of restaurants. So I think that's part of our proposition we try yeah. not to do too much discount stuff we want to I, and i understand that yeah yeah we want to stay a value we want to we don't want to just be a commodity yeah but having a first time offer that's that's not a bad idea you know, let's get them in yeah just you know i always recommend the first time offer although i i absolutely understand what you're saying that you don't want to get into that habit of discounting but just as something to say you're going to take a chance on mm -hmm. us and we understand that so here's a little something to you know to kind of tip you over in in our direction yeah. um, but i know i know exactly what you're saying it's a it's certainly a challenge so that's that's you know that's a goal for the year so it's going to take us a while to get everything in place and working and and then see if it does work and make modifications yeah for sure um, listen, I don't want to take up too much more of your time because because uh, I so appreciate um, you sitting down for a second time <laughs> to have this conversation. <laughs> um, I love talking to you guys the first time. Uh, I've loved uh, talking to you guys again the second time. Um, tell me real quick, what do you love about the job? What do you hate about the job? What I love is that you have so much interaction with people and, and you meet some really amazing people and interesting people and you hear great stories and it's inspiring. Um, I hate getting up at five o'clock in the morning, six days a week. I wish I could sleep in. <laughs> <laughs> and Kate? For me, yes, for me, I would say pretty much the same. I really like the people and I really, I really love making something that they love. I really get gratification from feeding people. So I love that and I don't mind getting up at five in the morning, but I don't really like doing dishes. Yeah. Don't <laughs> talk at night. <laughs> yeah. I, listen, I get it. Um, my last question for you, I guess, is going to be uh, advice for uh, restaurant owners who are going to open their first restaurant. Because I love that you guys came to this uh, as relative outsiders. Um, I, I've been in the business for 20 years. And so there's things that just, you know, that I that I have preconceived notions about what a restaurant is and how things are done and how they should be done. Uh, but you guys came at it um totally fresh and, you know, from a totally different direction. And I'm sure uh, your perspective uh, was valuable and, you know, took you in a certain path. So I guess what advice would you have for uh, for restaurant owners opening their first place? 
to me, the main thing is, is buying the existing place because it costs so much money to build a hood and a fire extinguisher system. I mean, just that alone if it would cost as much as we paid for this entire place. So you can get in for a lot less money. And I mean, we hear stories about places downtown San Diego, like $6.5 million renovation. It's like, yeah, <laughs> how do they ever get that back? I don't, I don't I, get I it. I don't know. But um, so I think be realistic. Spend the least amount of money possible and do things yourself if you can. Um, one year after opening, the city said, you have to put a grease trap in. And our first estimate was for, I think, $20,000. We're like, oh, that, that's what we paid for the entire place. That That's going to kill us. It's going to put us out of business. We can't do that. We ended up doing it ourselves, basically. We went and rented concrete cutting saw and a <laughs> jackhammer, and we found a plumber who said, I will do the plumbing if you do all the digging and the refilling. And so you did? It was hellacious. I mean, it, was, it went on for a couple months of run the restaurant during the day and then tape off the back at night and dig. And oh, my God. When you're done, and then come back the next day and we'll go back to the salt mine and dig some more. And we finally got it done, and we spent like $5,000 to get it done, I think. Um, yeah. So that was a, a big deal. So I do as much as you can yourself or find friends. I mean, customers. We have, they, hey, this customer is an HVAC guy. And guess what? He fixed our oven when it broke, you know? And then he fixed it the second time, and he showed me how to fix it. Right. He's like, here's the spare, and here's how to fix it. <laughs> and, okay. So using customers, I mean, I just, you want to get something painted and the customer comes in wearing a shirt that he works for a paint company. It's like, ask them, you know, you want to do a side job. So it's, it's trying to keep the cost down as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do anything uh, for trade in, in any of that? Yes. We, uh, we trade food for a couple of things. We have some people that are project managers yeah. that are helping us get this whole marketing plan together um, and creating lists. They, they got us onto Trello where we create lists with them and and try to manage all the marketing and we have a woman who has helped us with our website and our email marketing she put together a, a program for us and so now when somebody subscribes to our email list they automatically have six different emails that go out to them once a week the nurture sequence absolutely it's called yeah uh, what she called a drip drip campaign yeah so it just drips out there and so the first one is here's where we're located here's the parking regulations on this street and most people don't know we have a parking lot behind the place and that's a great place to park and you know just a whole bunch of stuff and where our hours are then the next one talks about how we have gluten-free options and then the next one talks about i don't even remember but you know so yeah. that that's automatic now so if somebody signs up boom they get all this information so we trade food with for her and she they love it they're they're happy to come have food yeah that's so great that's so great um kate what about what about you what advice would you have um, mostly I would say, uh, to be true to yourself, to, to follow your heart, um, uh, even if it doesn't really make sense to everybody else, if it makes sense to you and you're passionate about it, uh, you can make it work. Uh, but you should ask, ask for help and ask experts for help, you know, utilize yeah. this podcast, utilize, um, the score, you know, the organization that sends you retired executives to help you with things. I mean, utilize the free help you can get and then, uh, you know, ask for help. It's something I've loved uh, about both of you guys is that you seem so, so open and so, you know, humble, ready to, you know, 
just listen and you know you know what you want to do but you know you're willing to listen to to make it better and get closer to the thing that you're trying to do well i think the journalism background is seeking out experts and asking them for advice <clears throat> you know one day we're trying to pour um ranch dressing from the big one gallon jar into our little squirt squirter things and it's going all over the place it's a mess and, and a guy a guy walks in who has some years in the business he goes you know you're supposed to when you open that up, you just cut a little notch in the in the seal so you can squirt it out without it going everywhere. And we're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? It was like a miracle. Just blew my mind. Yeah, blew our minds. We're like, these are the things we don't know. We didn't work in restaurants for 20 years and learn all those things. So yeah, there's a million little things like that. You have to pay attention and you have to listen to people. Listen, I think it's so refreshing uh, talking to you guys and, and hearing your story. Um, I, I really, really love the time that uh, you gave me, and I don't want to take up any more. Uh, before I let you go, uh, let the listeners know where they can learn more about you and Sunnyside Kitchen. Sunnyside Kitchen is, of course, we have a website, sunnysidekitchen.com. We're on Facebook, Sunnyside Kitchen. We're on Instagram. I think it's also Sunnyside Kitchen. And um, Yelp. Find us on Yelp. Please read our Go reviews. To Yelp. We love our customers, and I think a few of them love us too. Great. Uh, it's a it's as good a place to end as any. Uh, guys, congratulations on five years. Thank you so much for spending the time with me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Chip. Thank you, Chip. Thank you. I think for me, the takeaway from this conversation was about the power of connection. Um, it's so easy to take for granted the fact that we have customers to take care of, um, that it's, it's hard work to be in the service industry. But the old adage holds true, people buy from people. And I think the secret to Sunnyside's success is the connection that Bob and Kate have with their patrons. And each of us have the opportunity to do that with our own customers. So your assignment then is to do that tonight, or if you're closed tonight, then do it tomorrow. I want you to get to know at least five of your customers. Now, maybe that's small talk at the register while they're paying, or uh, it's touching tables throughout service, but it's got to go deeper than how is everyone enjoying their meal? Do that tonight and see what happens. And I hope you'll challenge yourself to do that tomorrow and the next night and the next and the next, and then inspire your team to do the same thing. Create a culture where connection is valued above all else. Now, before we go, I'll remind you once again about the two workshops I'm launching this summer. I'm offering a special pre-sale rate, regularly priced at $197. I'm offering 50% off for anyone who books a spot in one of those courses by the end of March. Now, the first one is called Email Strategy, and it's a deep dive into email marketing. How to start a list, build that list, and then use that list to help drive more revenue. We're going to talk about the best ways to capture email addresses and then debunk some myths about how to maintain an engaged list. We'll talk about crafting great copy and the secret to subject line headings that will get people clicking. Uh, we're going to talk about drip campaigns, nurture sequences, content upgrades, and more with tons of case studies so you can see with your own eyes the difference between a good email and a bad one. The second course then is called Killer Content. It's a three-hour workshop doled out in small 15-minute video lessons. I'll walk you through my setup for a natural light shoot and then show you how to get started with artificial lighting. Uh, I'm going to give you tips for styling your food and then walk you through the best ways to edit your photos. This is geared toward the chef or business owner who has a DSLR camera but still hasn't mastered it. I'm going to get you over that fear. 
Now, you'll find the link to those courses in the show notes, or you can visit restaurantstrategypodcast.com, then click the blue button in the upper right corner that says book a course. Plus, the first 25 students get a free restaurant strategy tote bag. I still have a few of those left, so go now, book the course. I promise you're going to learn a ton. As always, thanks again for joining me this week, and I will see you next time.